Thump, 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 all those little feet, all those little feet taken off to have a great time. I know Miss Robin has a lot of great stuff planned for them downstairs to have fun. Well, the rest of you all are stuck with me, so why don't we just go ahead and lift up our hands. Father, we just thank you for the time of worship that we've had. We thank you right now for an opportunity to open your word. Holy Spirit, we know you take hold with us as we open your word, and you lead and you guide us into all truth, that you are our helper. You are our teacher, and so right now we ask you, Holy Spirit, to open our eyes to be able to see what you have said in your word. We know that you have inspired this word. You moved it on the heart of men of old to write down these things, to share their stories, to share the revelation of God and the ministry of Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you that as we open your word today, you quicken revelation to our hearts, that we see like we haven't seen before. I thank you, Lord, that it comes alive before us. Because as you said in your own word, that the word of God, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides between what are our thoughts and what are your thoughts. And so this morning, God, we seek your thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, you ready to jump right into things today? Well, two weeks ago, we started talking about the believer's authority, and this is such an important topic, and it's just been really heavy on my heart for the last little while that this is, needs to be reminded, this needs to be brought to our remembrance in this season that we're entering, because as things in the world get crazier and crazier, you know, it looks just keeps, you hear things all the time, and it's like, how can that be happening? You shall not be moved. Come on. You shall not be moved. Last time I checked, I, it said that he was a rock that can't be moved. That he, the stone that the builders have rejected has become the chief cornerstone. That's Jesus. And if he's a rock that can't be moved, and he's the one that, that God has selected, that everything should be built off of him and aligned with him, when you side yourself with him, when you side yourself with the, what he has said about you, you don't be moved. There's going to be things that are coming going to try and shake up your life. Come on. If it hasn't already been in the last two years or more, that things have not gotten a little crazy and changed the way that you've lived, it's going to get worse. But it's okay. You have authority. Not because of something that you've done. Not because of something great that you are, but because of the authority that Jesus won on your behalf. And so when we introduced this topic two weeks ago, we were in a series on not being ignorant of the devil's devices. Paul said, lest Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. You don't have to be surprised at what he's going to try. And when you see it, it's like, nope, that's not going on. That's not happening to me, devil. I'll go ahead and I'll tell you to go and pack up your bags and get, a, get on down the road. I'm not falling for it. But as Paul said, don't be ignorant of his devices, we, we are often ignorant of our own devices, our own tools, our own abilities and power that God has entrusted to us. And so we need to know just as much who we are in Christ Jesus as much as what the enemy's going to try. Because when you know who you are, you're like, you look at him and you're like, why would I ever believe a single thing that comes out of your mouth? Why would I even be tempted to be sidetracked right now? I know who I am in Christ Jesus. 
I know what's been given to me by the work of the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Come on, this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, 19. He said, behold, I give unto you, everyone say me, me. Power. power. And we make a big deal about Holy Spirit power, dunamis power. And Jesus said in Acts 1, 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is not the same type of power he's talking about. Here in, the, in uh, Luke 10, verse 19, is the word exousia, which is power, but it's a different type of power. And that is authority. It's delegated power. It's not your power. It's his. And he said, why don't you just go ahead and use what I have to offer you? Come on. When the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, he didn't ask you to do it in your power. He asked you to do it in his. When he said that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, he didn't ask you to conquer the trials of life through your power. He asked you to do it through his. And so he said, behold, I give you power and so much of the church world is so focused on oh yes God you are great and he is great and Jesus you're so wonderful and you're so powerful and he is but what about what he's told you to do with the power that he has because he said behold I give you power and authority to tread on serpents and scorpions he's not talking about playing with snakes he's not talking about you going playing with scorpions he's using it as a symbol or imagery of the power of the enemy and he says, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's a huge statement there. Yeah. Come on, if you just stop and meditate on what that last line says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, come on, I I've fallen and I've scraped my knee. <laughs> come on, we've all had bumps and bruises and aches and pains throughout it, but he's saying, when you choose to walk in the authority and the power that I give you, nothing can hurt you. Come on, he said, he said in Psalm 91, he said that his angels will hold you up in their arms so that you won't even bang your foot off a stone. And so there's more that we can grab hold of than what we've settled for. Hallelujah. And so Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, we're just warming up. Come on, we're warming up. Keep with me. Jesus said, he came in, this is one of the last things he said to his disciples. He said, all authority or all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You go, therefore. Take what I've won. Take what I've just won as I rose from the dead and conquered death, hell, and the grave. Take it and do something with it. He says, go, therefore, in that power. Make disciples of all men in all places, all around the world. And his disciples, you know, actually took him at his word. It took them a few years. You know, we don't often realize this. It took them about 10 years to even leave Jerusalem. You know, it's just one chapter in our Bible. It's 10 years in their time before they kind of realize, like, maybe, maybe we should get up and go and do something with what he's told us to do. And do you know why they said maybe we should go, go somewhere else? It's because things got a little rough in Jerusalem. There was uprising after uprising after uprising going on. And the Roman soldiers were moving in. And they ended up tearing down the temple. The temple caught on fire. And it said the gold melted off the, off the walls. And it, they were breaking up all the stones trying to get the gold out. The Romans wanted the gold. And they, they stomped out that rebellion. And as things got rough in Jerusalem, they're like, maybe we should go somewhere else. <laughs> and it's unfortunate that it took them that much pressure in order to go and do what God had told them to do. Yeah. But we can use that as our learning, right? Yeah. 
We don't have to wait for times to get extremely rough before we decide, maybe I should do what he asked me to do. Maybe I should stand in the calling that he's called me to. Maybe I should take him at his word about the authority that he's left with. We shouldn't have to wait until it's just we have no other choice. And if maybe you've been there in the past where you had nowhere else to go, so you turned to God, that's great. Keep turning to him today. Run with him today. And so Jesus said, all power and authority has been given unto me on heaven and in earth. And so that means we need to have a, a, a get rid of a religious thinking and shift to God thinking in that it's not when we all get to the sweet by and by, it'll all be wonderful. How about right now? He said, heaven and in earth. Jesus' most famous prayer. He said, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you're waiting for heaven, you're missing half your life. Because you're going to have to live your life here on earth. But you may live here, but you're not of here. Man, you've taken up residence and citizenship in heaven. And so last, last week, Pastor Robin brought a wonderful message called Guilty by Association for our Resurrection Sunday. And he was talking about how you were identified with his death. And it says, the Bible says that if you died with him, guess what? You'll also live with him. I love what Paul said. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. I mean, I hung there right there with him. And he said, nevertheless, I live. Wait, wait. No, not I. But the life that I live, I now live by the faith of the Son of God. If, you'll, if you identify that, yeah, I'm dead. I died with Christ. And guess what? I get to live with him. And we often leave things at the cross. The cross is important. But the cross was the start. The resurrection and the ascension was the finish, where he sat down at the right hand of the Father, far above all principality and power, and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come also, and he's put all things under his feet, and given to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all, you're the church, you're his body, his feet are down here, the feet are at the bottom of the body, and so if it's far above He's far above all, and it's f everything else is far below him, it's far below you. And just in case, that, that's Ephesians chapter 1, if you didn't know. And just in case we didn't get the picture, he, he went ahead and spelled it out even clearly in the next chapter. Chapter 2, he says, and you, he has raised up and made to sit together with and so if we didn't get the picture that he's the head and you're the body and it's all under his feet, all under your feet, he said, you've been raised. So we've got to live out of the resurrection and the ascension. We come by the cross. We thank you, Jesus, for the cross. But I choose to live in the new creation realities of being seated in heavenly places. Even while I live out this natural existence on this world, I choose to do it while seated with Jesus. And so Pastor Robin said, it's not just a story. It was not just a story. And if Jesus dying on the cross is just a story, there's no power in the story. It was an event that has great significance. Great significance, not only then, it's not just significant then, it's significant now in your life. Say right now. Right now. It's significant in your life right now. And so today we want to explore the significance of what Jesus did. 
and what he's called you into in this theme of the believer's authority. So why don't you go ahead and turn in your Bibles this morning, pull them up on your phone or look them up in your physical Bible if you've got one, to Ephesians chapter 1. I'll slow down a little bit, but I don't promise not to do it too much. <laughs> you just got to get moving, and you say what he says, and you read what he read, and come on, we, we got we to gotta get beyond ourselves, right? Yeah. Ephesians chapter 1. And this is a prayer that Paul is praying for the believers at the, in, at the church of Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15, Paul says, Therefore, I also... After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. And so Paul is talking to believers. Paul is praying for believers. If you believe, he's talking about you. This is not just an insignificant prayer that he prayed for someone else. This is what Paul prays for believers. And he, on top of that, it's not just something he did occasionally. He said, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And so this is something that Paul prayed often for believers. And if Paul thought it was good enough to, for him to pray often, you should pray it often over yourself. You should pray it over your loved ones. I pray it multiple times a day for you guys in this church. I pray it for my family. I pray it for myself. And as you begin to pray these things, your eyes begin to open up and you begin to see things that you didn't see before. And I'll tell you why, because this is what he prayed. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, everyone say me, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He's asking, God, give them wisdom. Give them revelation. What is revelation? Revelation is, a, is, a, is that things are opened up and it's like, I know, I understand, and I choose to live. It's a Holy Spirit-inspired knowing. It goes beyond just a mental understanding. It's a like, huh. It's like thing, all of a sudden the connection was made. And rather than just something I know, it's something I live. We live out of revelation. Revelation is what you walk. You can tell how much revelation someone has and some, what someone doesn't have based upon how they walk. Because you will walk out your beliefs every day. And oftentimes we can say we believe things, but then we watch how we live, and it tells us what we really believe. You know, the book of James says, I will show you by my, my faith, by my works, or by my actions. Why? Because what you believe, you just naturally do. When revelation comes, it's like, yeah, that's how I live. And so Paul said, God, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of him not just wisdom I, ha I had a check in my heart this week as I was I was seeking God about some things and I was saying God can you give me wisdom in this and wisdom in that and wisdom and I was at for things that we're dealing with I, I want to know what to do and he spoke to my heart and he said 
Yeah, I can give you the natural wisdom, but when you know me, it's not a problem. If we will put knowing God and God's things first, knowing man's things are easy. He's not called you to man's wisdom. It says he uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. You know, there's an interesting passage here in this book. It's an old book, but written over about 100 years ago now by a Canadian guy named John McMillan. He was actually uh, a Christian Alliance pastor. This building used to be a, a Christian Missionary Alliance building before they shut down, and God was able to give it to us. And uh, he wrote this about 100 years ago, and it's such a great book. And he said, the constitution of the laws of the spiritual world are perfectly orderly and logical. God knows order, and he knows logic, and must be adhered to and carefully obeyed if the desired and promised result is to be gained. Stay with me here for a second. But he says this, in making this statement, it is not intended to suggest that a logical and intelligent mind can of itself grasp spiritual values or gain possession of spiritual blessings. Were that possible, the deepest phases of the Christian life would be the possession of the most intellectual. Whereas it is very definitely asserted by the Spirit of God that in the apprehension of divine truth, the wisdom of the wise is destroyed. And the understanding of the prudent is brought to naught. Thank God that there is an inner spiritual knowledge. Come on. There's an inner spiritual understanding conferred through the enlightenment of that same spirit, which enables the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. This principle being established by God that no flesh should glory in his presence. And so there's things that we need to know about God that we don't know through our natural understanding, that they are revealed to us by His Spirit. And the things of the Spirit may oftentimes sound, feel, uh, just seem completely foolish to your natural mind and your natural understanding, but the things of the Spirit are not naturally understood. They are spiritually understood. And so you need to have knowledge of him because you are in him. Come on, if you, if you don't have that understanding, that's one to grab hold of. You need to have knowledge of him because you are in him. First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He didn't say if anyone is with Christ or of Christ. He said, if any man is in Christ, because what he's done through the work of the cross is he's taken you and he's taken Jesus, and as Jesus prayed even before the cross, Lord, make them one, even as you and I are one. You know, Paul, when he was preaching to the Athenians in Acts chapter 17 and verse 28, he says, for in him we live and move and have our being. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
And so we need to have knowledge of him because you have been placed in him. You know, a great book for you to get is this little mini book called In Him. And it just goes through and it has all the different uh, verses in the Bible that talk about your union with Christ. And guess what? There's over 150 references in the New Testament alone about you being in Christ, in Him, in the Beloved, in the Lord, in whom, by Christ, by Him, by Himself, by His blood, by whom, of whom, of Christ, of Him, through Christ, through Him, with Christ, with Him, by me, in me, in my love, and in His name. If you don't understand Him, you won't understand who you are and what you've been made to be. And so when we seek wisdom, we seek the wisdom of him. And Paul prayed, God, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And if that was the end of the prayer, it would have been good enough. But that was only the beginning. And we're not even going to make it through the whole prayer today, so just go ahead and buckle up. He says, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, into the knowledge of you, verse 18 that the eyes of their understanding being enlightened. When he says the eyes here, he's not talking about these lights. He's talking about the eyes of your heart. You can see beyond what you can see when you see in God. He didn't say, open their eyes, Lord, to everything that they can already see he said, open their eyes of their understanding. Let them be enlightened. That word enlightened means turn the light on. Now, when I was putting this message together, I didn't know Dope was singing that song today. When we're talking about open up the windows and let the light in, let the light into the in your heart, the eyes of your heart. Let them be enlightened so that you can know. And so when he talks about eyes here, he's not talking about these natural eyes. Any person can go... Oh, I see a book. But it takes the eyes of the heart to say, I have a future. I have a hope. I have a calling in Christ Jesus. It takes the eyes of the heart to be able to see, I'm not trapped. This is not the end of the road. This will not end in my destruction. This sickness is not unto death. I am not trapped where I was born. It takes the eyes of the heart to see it as God has said it. Paul said, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so when we give our hearts to Jesus, there's a responsibility of every Christian to stop going, okay, what's going on today? And start saying, God, what's going on today? Anyone can look at the weather and say, it's going to rain. Anyone can look at the news and say, wow, it's pretty crazy. But when you look with eyes of faith, you realize, I've got a good future. Whatever comes my way, I will be okay. Because I've got Jesus. More than okay. Because I'm an overcomer through Christ Jesus. Anyone can look at the body and say, it hurts. I'm in pain. Sickness has come my way. It takes eyes of faith to see what Peter said. By his stripes, we were healed. Not that I'm going to be, 
I am right now. Anyone can look at the bills and say, I'm broke. But it takes eyes of faith to say, he told me that he supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So we need to be able to see with more than eyes. We need to begin to look with our heart. Look into the things of God. You know, it's very easy to say, I'll believe it when I see it. We know somebody else who did that, and it was in John chapter 20 after Jesus was risen from the dead. He appeared to some of his disciples, and they were like, oh my goodness, this is amazing, Jesus, you're not dead, you're actually, you rose like you said you would. And then he went off to do some other things. And it says in verse 24 of chapter 20, now Thomas, called twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, we've seen the Lord. They're excited about it. It's awesome. And he said to them, unless I can see his hands, the print of the nails, unless I can put my finger into the print of those nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. He said, unless I can use these natural eyes, it's not going to be something that's going to be on my heart. But, after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And this time Thomas was with them. And this is one of the best passages of the, of the Bible. And Jesus came in, the doors being shut, and he stood in the midst of them. You've got to understand what just happened. The doors are locked, they're all hiding, they're all in there together, and all of a sudden Jesus just walks through the wall and is like, Hey guys! You know, what happens? Ah! <laughs> and that's why his next words are, Peace to you. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Jesus just walks right into the room while the door's locked. There's a reason he said what he said. <laughs> and immediately he turns and he says to Thomas, reach your finger here and look into my hands. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Of course, why wouldn't you? Jesus is standing right there before you. Why wouldn't you say, my Lord and my God? You know, I've not had, heard of someone who has had an encounter with Jesus who didn't immediately go, oh, Lord, <laughs> come on. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Next part of this verse. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. As a believer, you are called to see things before you see things. What are you willing to look at? You know, I said this two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, that we need to become comfortable voicing our opposition to the plans that the enemy has for us. But something else we need to become comfortable is this. Believing what the Word has said long before we've seen it walked out in our lives. If the Word says you're well, you're well. Walk into it. If you're waiting to see, you're not going to see. 
but if you're willing to see, you will see. And there are signs of life beyond the surface. You know, I've done a lot of walking this past few months, and in the middle of winter, it's so beautiful right after a fresh snowfall. Not a single footprint anywhere. You're putting the fresh ones in. Maybe a little bit harder to walk because you're having to trudge through the unpacked snow. But how beautiful it is to be like, I'm the only one out here. And that's what it can feel like sometimes when we hit rough periods in our life, though, too. I'm all alone. There's nobody here besides me. And you're looking down and you're seeing only your footprints. Only your effort. Only the struggle that is before you. But you know, every time I had an experience like that where I was walking in the fresh snow, you know what I saw the next time I walked through there? Footprints everywhere. Little bunny prints. Little coyote prints. Deer prints. Wolf prints. Pretty sure I found some bear poop a few months ago. And I was kind of like, where is that one hiding? <laughs> what am I saying? Sometimes you're not seeing what is actually there because we're not actually looking for it. But when you begin to look for the things that God has said, guess what? You find them. He said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be opened unto you. So there's life beyond the surface. We see that great, that, that example played out in 2 Kings chapter 6, where the prophet has been telling the secrets of the Syrian army in, uh, that whatever he was saying as he planned his war council or whatever he said in his, his bedchamber, the, the spirit of the Lord would reveal it to the prophet and he kept telling the king, like, this is what they're going to do. And so every time they showed up to fight, they just moved their army somewhere else. And finally the, ki the Syrian king is like, this is crazy. Who, which one of you is the traitor as he's saying to his general? And they say, no, no, it's not us. They've got a prophet who God keeps telling what you want to do. And he's like, well, instead of fighting the army, let's kill the prophet. <laughs> and so he sends an army to surround the city where the prophet is. And here's what is ha happens in 2 Kings 6.15. It says, when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what are we going to do? He's looking with natural eyes. And so the prophet says to him, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. But this is not something the servant's seeing. He looked with his natural eyes and said, I'm surrounded. They're going to kill us. The prophet was looking with more than his natural eyes. And it says, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eye, the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Right now, there's more power for your deliverance out of the situation than there is opposition that can try to throw you off. Come on. If you could see with the eyes of your spirit what's going on in this room right now, there are angels here that are on work on your behalf. Yes. 
The book of Hebrews says that are they not ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who are the heirs of salvation? Those are sons and daughters of God. Those are believers. Right now, if you could see with your spiritual eyes, there's more activity in the room than just you. There's more power on your behalf than there is against you. Because Jesus said, all power, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. You take it and you go. There is more power available to you than what you could ever comprehend. And as we just allow our, the eyes of our heart to be enlightened, we begin to see things as God sees them. And we stop having to look and be like, oh, I'm still broke. No, my needs have been supplied by Almighty God. No, I'm still sick. No, I'm going to get up out of this bed because he already said I'm healed. And we begin to walk out what he already said is so before we've seen. Come on. 1 John 4, 4 says that you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. What's on the inside of you is greater than anything you will ever encounter. I've told this story probably a hundred times, and I'll tell it a hundred times more. We have a, have a friend who, he came from a very, very rough background. And when he got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and he'd only been saved like a few weeks at that point, that a friend from his past life showed up at his door, and this friend was a Satanist. And he's like, I don't care who they are, come on in, you know? Let's have a talk. Let's get, he's like, would you like some water? And he's like, okay. So he went into the kitchen to get some water. And as he came out with a glass of water, there was the man with a gun. And he said, I'm here to kill you because you've become a Christian. And he said, just it rose right up out of him. He like, doesn't know very much about the word of God or anything like that. It just rose right up out of, the, out of him. He said, you can't kill me because greater is he that is in me than the devil in you. Yeah. And the man kind of stumbled back like that was not the response I was expecting and he said no I'm here to kill you and again it just rose right up out of his heart you can't kill me because greater is he that is in me than the devil in you and the guy just looked dumbfounded and he sat down and he put the gun down and he said you're right I can't do anything and our friend John led him to the Lord that day because he came in contact with real power, real authority. That's what's on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he asks that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The Amplified Bible says, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and the very core of your being may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit. The Passion Translation says, and I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling. I like that one. It says, the eyes of your imagination. We've got a room full of kids down there having a great time this morning. And you know what kids have that most adults lack? Imagination. They've stopped being able to see things that they can't see with their natural eyes. Kids see opportunity. Kids see toys where there's a box. Come on. 
I think, why do I bother buying Christmas presents? They always play with the boxes and the wrappers more than they do the toys. They begin to see opportunity. They begin to see things. Let's have a good time. Adults need to learn how to have a good time again. To be able to see what God has said before you've seen what he said. I pray that the light of God would illuminate your eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. How do you know that the word of God is beginning to have an effect on you? Hope begins to rise up. so many people who have lost hope today. This world is looking around and they have no hope. They've got nothing to offer. They keep saying, it's getting worse, it's getting worse, it's getting worse. And unfortunately, Christians are parroting them. It's getting worse, it's so bad, it's so bad. No, the word of God lets hope arise. Do you know what hope is? Hope is not, this is how I wish it would be. Hope, Bible hope, is a confident expectation of good things to come. I have a confident expectation that there are good things for you in your life right ahead of you if you'll just choose to walk with God and let go of all the other garbage and just say, no, God, I know you've got a better life for me, so I'm going to walk with you. I've got a hope that things are going to turn around for me. I have a confident expectation. Man, I've got a great hope for this church that the best days are still ahead, that this place will be filled to the gills and overflowing with people who are hungry for the word of God, that there's a hunger in their heart that I don't want what the world has to offer anymore. I'm giving my life to God. I'm coming to worship. I'm coming to bow down. I'm coming to celebrate. I'll run if I got to run. I'll dance if I got to dance. I'll shout if I got to shout. But I'm done with what the world has to offer because I got a hope that there's better days ahead of me. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're at peace with God, it doesn't matter who's at war with you. It says, through whom we also have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We go ahead and rejoice in hope. We rejoice in the confident expectation that it'll be as he has said. And that's where most of us stop reading. Because it's a good, good verse. But the next verse, it says, and, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Why would I want to celebrate when it looks bad, God? Because if you won't celebrate when it's bad, you'll never see when it's good. If you can't stand, celebrate in victory before the victory, you'll never stand in the victory. If you're waiting until you see, you'll never see. If you want to walk in victory, you go ahead and stand in victory. Now. Because he said, it is finished. That's what he said on the cross. He said, my work is done. I've finished it all. All that was needed to be done, all that was needed to be accomplished, I've done. And so he says, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. 
That's the ability to stand and say, no, I will celebrate today. Come on. And perseverance produces character. And character brings us back to hope. It's a vicious cycle. Hope to hope, hope to hope. Everything in between is unimportant because I go from hope to hope. And it says, now hope doesn't disappoint. We need to remind ourselves of hope. It's so important. You want to know why? Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you don't know how to hope, you can't step into faith and believe. Let hope arise. So that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling. That you may know the hope that is right before you. That you may have a confident expectation of the good things that are before you because of what he has called you to. The gift that he's placed in your heart. The, the mission that he's given for you. The, oh man, the amazing things that he has coming for you. Come on, listen, this and this is what the, the smartest man who ever lived, the King Solomon, he said this. He says, the fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened, and the hope of the righteous will be gladness, and the expectation of the wicked will perish. Man, the righteous have their days extended because they are willing to rejoice in hope. Come on. He also said, hope deferred or hope let go of makes the heart sick. You wonder why depression rates are through the roof? Why suicide is just going out of the way? Hope has been lost. We need some hopeful Christians to rise up and start spreading hope to those who they come in contact with every day. That every conversation that you have lights someone on fire for a good day instead of the bad day that they've been having. Come on. You don't have to put up with everybody else's environment that whenever you come in you just begin to just speak to them and the goodness of God just begins to flow out of you into them and that when the day, the, their day started their day started not in a good way come on their day started in a good in a bad way and because they came in contact with you Craig they're now having the best day of their life that all of a sudden the light went and turned on why wouldn't I want to do business with someone who turns my light on instead of off. Yeah. Hope. We should be the most hopeful people that ever lived. The psalmist said in Psalm 16, 8, he said, I have set the Lord always before me. And because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. And therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices, and my flesh will also rest in hope. My flesh will rest in hope. Why? Next verse. You ready? You ready for this? Because you're not going to leave my soul in hell. That's what Sheol is. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At his right hand are pleasures? Where are you seated? Come on. Paul already said in Ephesians 1 that he raised Jesus up. He made him to sit together, us to sit together with him at the right hand of the Father. Where are his pleasures forevermore? Where you're seated. 
Come on, get up on your feet this morning. This, there is a hope that has been on, put on the inside of us through Christ Jesus that I don't have to put up with what this world has to offer any longer, that there's a hope and a light that is before me, and it doesn't matter how your day has been, there is a hope that has been set before you through Christ Jesus. And Psalmist said in Psalm 27, he said, I would have lost hope or I would have despaired if unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord right here in the land of the living. Hallelujah. So say this with me. God, I hunger. I hunger for you. I hunger for all that you have for us. I thank you for the hope that you have for me in this day. That I have a confident expectation of good things to come. My best days are not before behind me. My best days are ahead of me in Christ Jesus. They are ahead of me in Christ Jesus. Because I have a hope. I have a future. Because Jesus, I have you. Now, maybe you're in this place this morning or you're watching us via the internet and you don't have that hope because you don't have Jesus. Well, today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day where you can let go of it all and ask Jesus to come onto the inside of you and that hope will rise up. So I want you to pray with me right now. Say, Father, I ask for Jesus and I receive him into my life right now. I thank you that this is a new day. That I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. Today is the day of my salvation. I step into your kingdom. I step into hope. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us over the internet, we would love for you to get in contact with us. We would love to get some resources into your hands, get you hooked up with a good church in your area. If you're in the Smith Falls area, we say welcome home. In, in just a few moments, our Word Care team is going to be right here at the front. They would love to pray for you. They would love to believe with you. If you need prayer for healing, prayer for anything, if you got a testimony and you want to celebrate with someone, they're there to do it. So go ahead and avail yourself to them. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, if you'd like to give today, you can do so at wordchurch.ca forward slash give. Or there's offering envelopes in the seat in front of you and a basket at the back. Whatever you choose to do, we just say thank you for partnering with us. Guys, hope, 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 hope again. Allow yourself to hope again. Allow yourself to hope again. Hope thou in God. For yet shall I praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you guys are blessed. Let's have some co coffee and some good conversation. Toph, praise us out.